Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled, Christ Concerned About the Will of God, The Reasoning. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched, self-study people, as well as those who are part of a church. For anyone looking for greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study, we also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Please note, starting this week, we are changing our audio software from Audacity to a product known as Ardour, spelled A-R-D-O-U-R. It is a much more sophisticated software package for us to do the work we do each week. We have tried to use it previously with little success. We also experienced a far greater increase in workload. We have found some better training, which has resolved our issues, allowing us to work just as quickly while maintaining quality to provide the highest quality sound we can make with the equipment we can afford and own. We hope this change is seamless to you and makes a better quality recording. We will be working with our doer over time to improve our recordings as much as is possible so we are giving you the best we can possibly make happen. God bless you all, and enjoy! Welcome to our last episode in our extended summer series titled, What We Need to Know or Reaffirm, as we break the series for now. We will pick this back up in January 2022 after our Thanksgiving and Christmas episodes. At present, our extended summer series is sourced in 1st and 2nd Peter. Last week, in our episode titled, Christ Concerned About the Will of God and Not Human Desires, Part 3, November 14th, we examined 1st Peter, Chapter 4, Verses 1 and 2. I personalized some commentary passages to make them more relevant to us in modern-day living. An example was from Barnes' New Testament notes. I read it this way. To arm ourselves with the same mind that was in Christ, to consider that the pastime of our lives was enough for us to have wrought the will of the flesh, and that now it is our duty to be separate from the wicked world in whatever light the world might regard our conduct, remembering that they who made false and malicious statements, who slandered others, must soon give an account to God. In this examination this week, we read, For the time that has passed was sufficient for you to do what the non-Christians desire. You lived then in debauchery, evil desires, drunkenness, carousing, drinking bouts, and wanton idolatries. So they are astonished when you do not rush with them into the same flood of wickedness, and they vilify you. They will face a reckoning before Jesus Christ, who stands ready to judge the living and the dead 
Now it was for this very purpose that the gospel was preached to those who are now dead, so that though they were judged in the flesh by human standards, they may live spiritually by God's standards. From 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 3-6. through 6. A quick note on the word idolatries. It is correct Middle English from 1200 to 1250 A.D. This is why it is in many translations of the Bible. At the time many Bible versions were written, idolatries was correct. It has long since fallen out of use. Let us read some commentary to start looking at the Bible passage we just read in 1 Peter. For the time past of our life may suffice us. We have spent sufficient time in indulging ourselves and following our wicked propensities, and we should hereafter live in a different manner. This does not mean that it was ever proper thus to live, but that, as we would say, we have had enough of these things. We have tried them. There is no reason why we should indulge in them anymore. From Barnes New Testament Notes. That quote is very straightforward. That means the question today is, as saved men and women of God, do we still indulge ourselves, continue to follow our wicked propensities, and still live in the same manner as we did before we received Christ as Lord and Savior? Furthermore, in the time we have been saved in Christ, have we not learned anything? Have we actually learned to only espouse this knowledge to impress others while still living a depraved life as before? That is not a question we want to answer. Yes. If saved in Christ, the answer should be no. All these questions deserve our pondering and answering honestly to ourselves. This way, we can improve our walk in Christ so we are found by Him better than when we started. After all, commentary told us, we have spent sufficient time in indulging ourselves and following our wicked propensities. Therefore, we should henceforward live in a different manner. That is, to anyone, in any time of living, between then and Peter's day, and the second coming of Christ. That's the timeline of this subject. Commentary also stated, This does not mean that it was ever proper thus to live. We have had enough of these things. We have tried them. There is no reason why we should indulge in them any more. That right there is the bottom line. If we really are saved in Christ, why do we want to continue living our old life when newer and brighter things are ahead for us when now living for Christ, living in Christ? If we are truly saved in Christ, we used to live that way. However, 
the sinful things of this past life that we are aware of and continue to do regardless is what is at point here. Converted persons in the past time of their life, before conversion, walked in sin, which denotes a series and course of sinning, a persisting and progress in it, with delight and pleasure, promising themselves security and impunity. The particular sins they walked in are reducible to these three heads, unchastity, intemperance, and idolatry. In lasciviousness, lust, which belong to the head of uncleanness, and take in all kinds of it, all unnatural lusts, excess of wine, revelings, banquets, which refer to intemperance of every sort, by eating or drinking as gluttony, drunkenness, overindulging in food or drink, disgust, and all luxurious feasts and entertainments, attended with rioting, reveling, and obscene songs, and abominable idolatries, which some understand of worshipping of angels, but they seem rather to intend the idolatries the Jews were led into by the feasts of the Gentiles, either at their own houses or in the idol's temple, by which means they were gradually brought to idolatry and to all the wickedness and abominations committed by them at such times. And it is easy to observe that the two former, uncleanness and intemperance, often led men into idolatry. From the New John Gill's Exposition of the Entire Bible. That point being, at their own houses or in the idol's temple, by which means they were gradually brought to idolatry and to all the wickedness and abominations committed by them at such times. Is that not like the things that go on today by people posing as God's saved and who are not? In the United States, I know of such organizations because I have been to some of them initially unaware. This is because on the outside, they greatly appear to be a great place for the one who is looking, seeking a church body. However, over time, a person strong in God's word and fairly well founded in the knowledge of Scripture finds that such a, quote, gradually, unquote, church is bringing you into their true place of idolatry, wickedness, and abominations committed by such people in such groups. All this under the cover of their place being a house of God of which many innocent people are duped into something completely different than the one they believe they are involving themselves. Fortunately, I have been able to see this undercover portion of these groups so as not to fall prey to them. That takes an awareness of the leading of the Holy Spirit who reveals such things to you. 
It is a certainty that one cannot explain, but yet understands and knows in their heart and mind 100%. So, they are astonished when you do not rush with them into the same flood of wickedness, and they vilify you. From 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 4. We should note three things from this verse. They can also be summed up in one final comment as well. 1. They do not appreciate the motives which influence those who leave them. They feel that it is proper to enjoy the world and to make life cheerful, and they do not understand what it is to act under a deep sense of responsibility to God and with reference to eternity. They live for themselves. They seek happiness as the end and aim of life. 2. They do not yet see the guilt and folly of sinful pleasures. They are not convinced of the deep sinfulness of the human soul, and they too think it strange that others should abandon a course of life which seems to them so innocent. They do not see why those who have been so long accustomed to these indulgences should have changed their opinions and why now regard those things as sinful which they once considered to be harmless. 3. They do not see the force of the argument for religion. Not having the views of the unspeakable importance of religious truth and duty which Christians now have, they wonder that they should break off from the course of life which they formerly pursued, and separate from the mass of their fellow men. Hence, they sometimes regard the conduct of Christians as amiable weakness, sometimes as superstition, sometimes as sheer folly, sometimes as madness, and sometimes as soreness and misanthropy. In all respects, they esteem it strange. And summarizing from this quote, speaking evil of you, in the Greek language, blasphemy. They used harsh and reproachful contempt, blasphemy, and cursed those who would not unite with them in their revelry. They called them fools, fanatics, hypocrites, etc. The idea is not that they blasphemed God or that they charged Christians with crime but that they used language fitted to injure the feelings, the character, the reputation of those who would no longer unite with them in the ways of vice and folly. From Barnes' New Testament Notes Notice that portion of the last statement that is currently relevant to us today. It said, They used language fitted to injure the feelings, the character, the reputation of those who would no longer unite with them in the ways of vice and folly. Today, this is not only within the constraints of the church body, but it is also in the world in general. 
it can be seen in many news reports from around the world. Today, it is not just vice and folly, which covers quite a bit, but it is many other negative impacting things levied toward many people, whether saved in Christ or not. Whether truthfully rendered or not, and mostly not, from what I have seen in my television and internet-sourced news reports. I am sure you have also seen some of these things as well. Commentary states further, The meaning in this connection seems to be that they should bear their trials and the opposition which they would meet with patiently, not feeling that they were forgotten, not attempting to avenge themselves, For the Lord would vindicate them when he should come to judgment and call those who had injured them to an account for all the wrongs which they had done to the children of God. There is the distinction. God will vindicate his people at the right hour and day. If God will vindicate us, then why do we need to vindicate ourselves in this life? Yes, It seems a correct thing for us to do, but is inadequate compared to how God will justly vindicate us completely. However, there is a huge problem here in human eyes. We want our vindication now. We do not want to wait on God to bring it because we know he will bring it later, in some cases much later than we have appreciation. So many employ means and ways, whether right or wrong, to vindicate themselves in the sight of others, in the sight of the now and not later in God's timing. This is how this quickly becomes intolerable to many. Now, verse 6 reads, Now it was for this very purpose that the gospel was preached to those who are now dead, so that though they are judged in the flesh by human standards, they may live spiritually by God's standards. Verse 6 is clearly the bottom line in this subject. Notice commentary here. By the dead here, some understand the Gentile world, dead in trespasses and sins to whom the gospel was preached when they were thus spiritually dead and buried in sensuality, that they might judge and condemn, oppose and strive against, mortify and subdue those sensual desires and carnal appetites which they indulge while they lived as natural men without the knowledge of God's will and the assistance of his grace and spirit. Others do understand the words of such as are naturally dead, that the gospel was preached to them who were long since dead, even our forefathers that lived and died before Christ's coming, and that they had the gospel preached to them while they were alive, that so they might mortify all their sinful lusts and corrupt affections and live new lives according to the direction and command of God in his holy word. Learn hence 
that the condition of men now living and of those that lived heretofore in all ages is one and the same, having the same gospel for substance preached to them, and accordingly the same duties of mortification and holiness required of them. From Expository Notes with Practical Observations on the New Testament by William Burkett. In closing, we should note two last things from this commentary passage. 1. By the dead here, some understand the Gentile world, dead in trespasses and sins, to whom the gospel was preached when they were thus spiritually dead and buried in sensuality, that they might judge and condemn, oppose and strive against, mortify and subdue those sensual desires and carnal appetites which they indulge, while they lived as natural men without the knowledge of God's will and the assistance of His grace and Spirit. Notice, there are two types of death. One death we daily walk in as unbelieving people. The other death is all too familiar to us as it is when one leaves this mortal life and they are no longer with us. Of the two, we are talking about those who live and yet are spiritually dead to God in their state of sinful living with no regard to the fact that it really is sinful living. Such people live in a sensuous form of life as well as judging and condemning others, opposing against, striving against, mortifying, subduing the sensual desires and carnal appetites that they live in by their indulgence. This identifies them as natural people, not spiritual people. They live without the knowledge of God's will for them and the assistance of His grace and His Holy Spirit. 2. The condition of men now living and of those that lived heretofore in all ages is one and the same, having the same gospel for the substance preached to them and according to the same duties of mortification and holiness required of them. There you have it, with regard to the gospel and anything required of us as born-again Christians, nothing has changed. What we need to do today is no different than it was even in the days of Peter, even in the days before Christ was born on this earth. The reason being, the condition of men and women now living and those that lived in the past, in all ages, is one and the same. Today, we live and share the same gospel of living free of sin's recompense. Meaning, as Scripture tells us, if we ask for the forgiveness of our sin or sins, Those sins are gone as far as the eastern heavens are from the western heavens. Think outer space 
or some sort of understanding one can reasonably grasp. This reaches into all ages, past, present, and future. If this is something for you, listen to our second episode. A direct link to it is found at the bottom of our episode listings titled How to Be Saved, Episode 2 of our unnumbered first episodes. Next week, our episode is titled The Wheat and the Tears Revisited. In this revisiting of the parable, we will see things we may not have seen before. The global pandemic and many other newsworthy issues are making a great changing of the times we all live in, no matter where we live. Stay with us for this exciting upcoming episode. Play or download our episodes from one of our podcast hosts, or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched. Currently, an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome, and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. Thank you all so much. God bless you all. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to Be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. If you go to our internet homepage, under the podcast menu item, you can find many popular podcast platforms we are found on. We are located at this internet address, unchurched.site. One, two, three, dot, M, E. At present, we are located on a growing number of podcast sites. So, you should be able to find us on a platform you like. We refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sundays. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.